0: Corinthians chapter 15. I told you last week about our decision that we were going to try to uh, uh, hold up here and do 2nd Corinthians in the detail I want to do it. It just seems that uh, the Lord has directed us that way with what we're trying to do here and I sure don't want to lose my impact of of what people are growing and learning. You know I, I, I always you know it's like anything else you do once you learn how to do it. You know you put a You put a plan together to do something in ministry, but then you're fully prepared to change the plan because once you start doing what you're doing, you see how you got to change things to make it work. So, you know, that's what I'm looking at. But last week, you remember, we talked about the uh, first part of chapter 15 and uh, how that the church at Corinth is completely messed up on. Uh, really the most central issue of Christianity. And I think the thing that you got out of last week was simply that, how important the resurrection absolutely is. Everything that we believe and everything that we hold as Christians uh, falls on that great teaching and that great doctrine. Not the fact that Jesus just died, but the fact that he resurrected uh, the third day and did not stay dead. As I said, the only thing that the only thing that, sh- that makes us different from what we have and what we do is that one single concept right there. So, Now, today I want to show you, I think, why this church never grew. I think it's important for us because we already know that this church is an example for us. And uh, just as the Old Testament, he said there in chapter 10, was in samples and examples for them. The New Testament plus the Old Testament is that for us. And there's a lot of things that that we can learn today uh, through all of this that will really help us. And I think seeing why this church had such a hard time uh, with getting what God said to them. Now, I don't don't title my messages. I know a lot of pastors do, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I've just never done that. I, I just, I don't think that way. Uh, But uh, if I were to put a title on this one today, I'd call it the greatest lesson that God's people never learn. And uh, this was a lesson that the church of Corinth had a hard time learning. And if you're a young Christian here today, and I'd say maybe you've just been saved in the last year or so, um, you know, this will be a great message for you. It'll be a great message for everybody. It'll be a great message for some of you God's people that got, uh, you know, kind of sitting on the fence, but probably won't change you. But it, it, if you're a young Christian here today, this message really, I'm designing it to help you. I think that, that the church at Corinth was a church filled with young Christians that never grew. And I think that when God's people don't grow, and there's some reasons why they don't grow, and I want to talk about that today, I think that's when their problems begin. Because the set of verses that we're going to look at today, uh, we will find the number one issue that we all have. And when a person, you know, quits coming to church, and you see that a lot, when a person quits coming to church or a church gets hindered in what it's trying to do, uh, it all goes back uh, to one central thing. When a child of God uh, quits coming to church and goes back to the world, you know, they'll come for a while, uh, maybe a short while, maybe a long time, uh, but then something happens that they literally quit coming and go back to the world. Now, the easy thing to say is the fact that their salvation really wasn't real to begin with. And that may be true in a lot of cases, but I also know it's not true in, in some cases. I've known saved people who were saved that quit just coming to church. They uh, went back to the world. And I truly believe that they are saved. have seen them all my life. and uh, But when they do and that happens, you can rest assured, and this is going to be a great learning tool for you today. Many of you... Uh, want to work with people, and I think working with people is really what the ministry's all about. And many of you desire to, to do that, and many of you in your, you have the ability, I think, to do that. But you need to learn things like today because there's a great thing in ministry and dealing with people called cause and effect. You've heard me use that term a lot. And the cause and the effect is simply Why do things happen in people's lives the way they do? For every cause you get involved in, there's going to be an effect on your life. That's what the term means. And when people make choices in life, that's a cause. And uh, many times uh, it's a a course of life that they decide they're going to take. And uh, there's always consequences or always circumstances or always effects to that. I can't think of anything that we don't decide to do that is not part of the cause and the effect of things. And I think it's vital that, that you learn uh, these. And it's studies like this, I think, that, uh, that you're gonna, it's going to help you get better. And uh, Because every person you've ever known or seen, and I've seen many of them over the years, that quit and go back to the world... I guarantee you, you can rest assured that at the bottom of that is what we're going to talk about today. I promise you. I promise you. You know, as a young guy going into the ministry, and this would be back around 1972, I thought that, uh, you know, I was pretty young back then and naive about things. And and I thought that you when you read and studied the Bible, that that's, you just normally got smarter by reading it. I really thought that. And I thought back then, you know, that when you just got into the Bible and read it, and you studied it, you'd automatically just get smarter. I've heard all my life, you know, that the four things that that we want to get as a child of God, we want to get wisdom, that's God's wisdom, from that we get understanding. Those two things are very important because they lead to the next two things. You see, once you get God's wisdom and you get God's understanding, then you get God's discernment and you get the ability to have God's discretion. And uh, we're just... uh, You know, I thought that we just got that from reading and studying the Bible. But after almost four decades, you know, of being in the full-time service of the Lord and ministry and pastoring and teaching and preaching and dealing with people, I know that's not exactly how it works. I look around me today and look back, you know, in my own life and in the life of people that, you know, God's brought across my path. I see lots of people who spend a lot of time in reading and studying the Bible. I really do. I have all my life but they certainly don't get any smarter. And they continue to make some of the same mistakes and some of the, go through some of the same problems then, and, and never really get to where God wants them to be. I tell you this almost with every sermon, and I think it probably needs to be said in every sermon, and that is simply this. God saved you for a reason. He saved you for a purpose. He's got something that he wants you to do. And uh, you know the devil, just on the other side of it, Bible basics. He's going to do everything he can to keep you from doing that. And if there's anything that I've learned in all that time, uh, it's that uh, the truth that in dealing with people, human nature always follows certain patterns. It always does. I mean, uh, the Book of Ecclesiastes tells us that there's a cycle to love. He said uh, to life, a time to be born. You go through the whole thing. A time to die. We talk about the repetitiveness of history, of learning how history repeats itself, or maybe I should say not learning how history, and when history repeats itself. You see, the Bible doesn't make us smarter. That's what I thought. The Bible doesn't make us smarter. But the Bible does that if you get into the Bible and you pay attention to the Bible, it doesn't necessarily just give you more brain cells. It doesn't make you a smarter person. But what it does, it shows you the patterns of human nature. Because human nature uh, follows patterns. And when you learn the patterns, when you see the patterns, by first starting with your own life, when you see how you are, and you see the things that you do, and you work on those things in your life, then you can look at the Word of God, and when you start dealing with people, and I'm telling you, The goal for every one of you ought to be to get to a point in your life when you can minister the Word of God to people. You will never begin to fulfill what God has called you to do. And, you know, some people say, well, I'm too shy for that. Well, I don't think I could do that. Well, you know what? It isn't about your ability. It's about your availability to give God the opportunity to develop in you what He wants to develop. The reason why many of God's people will never get to that point is the same reason that we're going to look at in a moment here that the church of Corinth didn't get there it's an easy thing to understand but it goes back to patterns patterns you want to get understanding and dealing with people I watch some of you do a really good job working with people you really do and uh, I, I love when you call me when you're, and I give you somebody to work with. And, and honestly, you know, and uh, my goal is to, re- this is a scary thought, is to reproduce myself in as many people as I can. <laughs> and uh, I, I love it when people call me that are working with me on, a, on that level, you know, and they've got a problem that they're working with somebody and they call me up to tell me about the problem and how they handle it. And sometimes I say things, sometimes I don't. But it's amazing to me how many times that I'm sitting there thinking to myself, that's exactly what I would have said and exactly the way I would have handled it based on what the Word of God says. That's what I'm talking about. The way you get there is not just getting smarter. You don't. The Bible doesn't make you smarter. You get there through learning and understanding patterns of way and the things that people do. And we make the mistake, or maybe we just never figure it out, that all of us uh, have an old nature. All of us. And it's human in every sense of the word with all of its frailties. And when we get saved, that nature doesn't go away. That pattern of human nature stays active inside your life and my life. The Bible talks about a man having an old nature and a new nature. When you got saved, God gave you a new nature, but he doesn't eradicate the old nature. It's still there. It'll never be gone on this side of eternity till the rapture of the church. But the new nature does give you and I the ability to keep it under control. And that's why I try to get you involved with people. Working with people is the single most important thing that you can do when you get to a point in your life. And I'll be honest with you today, if you don't get to that point in your life, you ain't going anywhere. You will fall victim to what we're probably going to talk about today and uh, learning the patterns of human nature. And when you start to work with people, you know what it does? I tell people all the time, when you start to help people in the ministry with the word of God, maybe it 's just in the basic discipleship. I don 't know, but you work your way into that scenario. When you start to help somebody with the Word of God, it 's a two-way street. You do something for them, and they do something for you. and when you work at it for a long time, you know what you learn? You learn the patterns of human nature. And if you want to work with people, I, I don 't know of a better, better thing that you 've got to learn than patterns of human nature, because human nature always follows basic patterns. And it isn't that you get smarter with the Bible. It's just that the Bible shows you the patterns. And when you see the pattern, you know what you're dealing with. When you see the pattern, then you know uh, and understand how it works, and people become very predictable. I I, I don't say this to people or anybody else, uh, uh, but I say it to myself many, many times. Somebody will come into church, and somebody will uh, say, I want to do right, and I want to do this, and I want to get this in my world, and I want to get this in my life, and I want to fix all of this. And I think that's really great, and I say that's that's wonderful. And they'll come in, and they'll sit down, and they'll talk to me, and I'll watch them over the next four or five weeks maybe and uh, try to put the people in their world and their life that's going to help them. Uh, But to me, I can already tell you that that person has a very low chance of ever making it. And chances are they're never going to get out of the problem that they're going to get in that they that they that they're into. And I'm going to tell you today why that is, and I'm going to give you the key of how to fix that. That you are guaranteed if you'll do it, and you're guaranteed to not to get it done if you don't do it. It's the patterns of human nature. Certain people fall into certain patterns. And in their lives, when they choose to keep them, those patterns, I can guarantee you 100% of the time, they're not going to make it. They're going to be the ones who come to church for three or four weeks, maybe two or three months. When the excitement wears off and the newness wears off and all of that frills and things of the newness, and it gets down now to the rubber meeting the road, you'll never see them again. And you will have people who come to church, I've seen them all my life, had them in my ministry all my life. They'll come to church 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and then something happens. They quit growing, they quit ministering, and pretty soon they're right back out in the world, not going to church anywhere. You know, I like old movies, and I I love the... uh, Some of you older folks, you you younger kids won't even appreciate this, I'm afraid. But uh, I like the old uh, 1940s Sherlock Holmes movies. Sherlock Holmes back then was played by, who knows who it was played by? Raise your hand. You know who it was played by? Anybody know? Oh, Jim knows. Hold on. Gary knows. Oh, you know. Okay. Who was it played by? Right here. Basil, Basil Rathbone. That's correct. Basil Rathbone. He was a great guy. English guy. And who knows who the counterpart of of uh, Sherlock Holmes was? Raise your hand, and tell me that. This is called getting your crowd <laughs> along with you. Who knows who 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 knows who Sherlock Holmes was? Uh, who, who was it, Jim? Moriarty. Oh, that was his. What was his? That was his real name. What was his stage name in the in the in the dual combo? Oh. Well, who was it? Doctor Watson. Doctor Watson. Oh. Watson. Elementary, elementary, my dear Watson. You know that. Huh? Come on. They were made back in the 40s and they were two classic actors. And I enjoy watching them because, I'll tell you why. He was probably the, in in fiction, he was probably the greatest detective of solving crime you ever saw. But you know, if you study those things, being in the ministry is not like being a detective. Because in a, in his case, he was trying to solve a crime. In our case, we're trying to solve sin. But in both cases, the people that are guilty of it don't always tell you the truth when you're trying to investigate and try to help them. Now, in, in police work, that's called, you know, uh, profiling. There are, certain, there are certain profiles that the FBI have profilers. And when they have a child that's abducted or they have something that happens, they, they have a profiler who will, will sit down and, and, and tell you, okay, this is the kind of person that you're looking for, okay? Do you know why they do that? Because human nature follows pattern. They call it profiling. In the ministry, we call it patterns of human nature. There are certain things that people do. And given their relationship with God, they're 100% predictable. Now, quicker you learn that, and I'm not expecting you to go out of here with your, uh, your, your, you know, being able to do that, but I'm telling you, you learn that by working with people and, and dealing with people and watching human nature. It's, it's just the way that it is. And one line from one movie always stuck with me. It's the movie called Scandal in Bohemia, which by itself was a pretty lame movie, but it was worth the one line. Because here's two guys, Dr. Watson and and Sherlock Holmes. Here's two guys looking at the same crime scene. And yet, they're both seeing different things. And Sherlock Holmes was a guy who who always solved the case. He was the guy who was so in touch and so in tune with patterns or profiling in any case... He'd walk into, and I'm sure it's true today. If you'd walk into a crime scene with a, a really a hot detective on a homicide case and stand in the middle of the room, you'd see a room in disarray and uh, you probably wouldn't think much about what you see. He would see it totally different. You know why? Because this was your first murder, homicide. He's probably worked so many of them, he knows what the pattern is and he knows what to look for. That's the key in dealing with people. That's the key. Learning and understanding the patterns. One line from the movie, that movie is just, it's always stuck with me, and I, I think about it all the time in the Bible. They're looking at a crime scene here, and I, I forget even what it was. So obviously somebody was murdered, because that's what Sherlock Holmes did, solve murders. And they're looking back and forth and they're talking here, and and Dr. Watson makes an he, he makes a statement and he says he says something. And Sherlock Holmes is one of these guys that he teaches you by one-line sentences. I think that's a really good way to learn. He doesn't spend a lot of time. He'll make one statement, and in that statement is everything you've got to have to fix your problem. And he looks at Dr. Watson, and he says, you see, you see, Dr. Watson, but you must learn to observe, for the two are not the same. That's one of the greatest lines that anybody ever said, and it's true. You see, you look at things in Christianity, but you don't observe what goes on in Christianity. There's a difference. When somebody sees, that's just your normal guy. When somebody observes, they're looking beyond what they see. We do the same thing. Most of God's people listen, but they never hear. I'll say, I'll say, didn't happen today. Maybe you're getting smarter. I don't know. But I'll say there's two lists out there. Make sure you sign up if you're going to the mission with me, uh, with Danny, or you're going out in the street with me. I'll go back and people have signed up on both lists. <laughs> I've said it now probably a hundred times since last Sunday. There will be people that will come to that meeting today and say, Oh, I didn't know I was supposed to sign up. You see, that's the problem. We listen, but we don't hear. Now, that's what happens when you go hear good preaching or bad preaching. You listen, but you don't hear. And we are, not, we are worse at it today than, than we probably ever have been in our lives. But you get two people looking at the same thing, and they'll see it two different ways because one will just see it, the other will observe it. And most of God's people see, but they never learn to observe and it's, an observing, and it's in observing human nature that, that you see the patterns of human nature that have not changed in 5,000 years. That's the good thing about it. The patterns have not changed. It would be one thing if you had to learn a new pattern every three or four years. Patterns of human nature and circumstances have not changed in 5,000 years of history since the beginning. And therefore, it's very predictable. For instance, there's, pa- there's patterns in parenting. There's good patterns and there's bad patterns. The Bible says in Psalms 127, verse 4, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. The idea being is a guy takes a bow and arrow and can back off 100 feet and hit a target and hit a bullseye. He launched that arrow. You launch your kids in life. Just as the guy with a bow and arrow. You're going to launch your kids to heaven. You're going to launch them to hell. But they will go to heaven or go to hell just as assuredly by your hand as that bowman can hit that pie plate down there at 50 feet, 100 feet, whatever it is. You see, there's pattern in parenting. There's patterns. Some patterns are good. Some patterns are not so good. I can tell you right now, just from observing and seeing the pattern, some of you are going to have a real problem with your kids when they get a little bit older. You're making about every mistake in the book that you can. And uh, you're going to have some real issues down the line. Now, I'm not a prophet, nor am I the son of the prophet, nor do I have a spiritual crystal ball. But the patterns never lie. See? The patterns are the patterns. And you're going to see that that's how it works. And there's patterns in everything that we do. There's patterns in marriage. You know, you got good patterns, you got bad patterns. The reason why people get a divorce, basically, is because they fell into bad patterns. Bad patterns in everything that we do. Bad patterns are good patterns. I tell you in, in marriage when it gets a divorce, one of, the most, one of my favorite lines, and you hear me say it all the time. Somebody tell me what I say. Raise your hand tell me. I, I know I say a lot of things. It might be a little hard. One of my favorite lines I say about when a marriage goes down the tubes, what do I always say? Anybody want to take a guess out of it? Don't say good for them. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> Jeff, what do I say? If it starts wrong, it ends wrong. If it you know what that is? You know how I make that statement? Somebody says, well, who's he just likes to shoot his mouth off. No, 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 no. I've watched that pattern for 40 years. That's a biblical principle. When it starts wrong, it ends wrong 98% of the time. Now, anywhere in between, you can change the pattern, but most people won't. Most people won't. And there's patterns in marriage. There's patterns in relationships. You know why some of you will wind up by marrying the biggest bozo on planet Earth? You know why some of you right now will hook up with somebody that down the line will take you out of church and make your life miserable? You know why? Bad patterns. Bad patterns. Some of you guys will marry a gal, and you'll think because she's beautiful and she has all the things that you desire that she's going to be everything you want, and you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna find out that you married Jezebel out of the book of Jeremiah when it's all over with. You know why? Bad patterns. Bad patterns are based on when it starts wrong and ends wrong. That's a pattern, human nature. Now, let me talk about the main problem with the pattern of human nature. There's one thing that is the main focus on bad patterns, and this is key. This is all introduction, by the way. You're going to love the message. It's the word deception. Go through the Bible sometime and study that word in three little formats. Study it as the word deceive. Study it as the word deceived. Study it as the word deceiveth. Because the key to the main problem with human nature and its patterns of being the wrong one is the word deception. In our personal life, the patterns of human nature you have deception in two forms when you study it all out. And you got to remember now in Revelation chapter 12, I think it's verse 9, and Revelation 13, uh, 13, I think verse 14, it says that the main goal of the devil is deception. He deceives the whole world. So why would that not be the the, the number one problem that, that gets us into bad patterns? But when you start to study through the Bible, you're going to find there's two kinds of deceptions. The first one's in Matthew chapter 24, verse 4. It says, take heed that no man deceive you. Now, that's very important because there's people out there who want to deceive you. Ladies, there's men out there who will want to court you and want to marry you, uh, who in time will deceive you. And guys, there's gals out there that will do the same thing. There's pastors and churches out there that will deceive you. There's people that you work with that you count as your friends that will wind up and deceive you. It happens all the way. In fact, when you study it through the Bible, you'll find that uh, he, it's kind of an interesting study. I didn't do it all, I just show you here. He talks about uh, that, that man will deceive you. Uh, he says, uh, Take heed that no man deceive you. And then he says, By any means. Another place he says, By vain words. Another place he says, By good words, by fair speeches deceiving the heart of the simple now the second aspect of deception which i think is vitally important too and i think it's really the most important one of the two and that's found in first corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 and that one it says let no man deceive himself now those are the two forms of deception that you have in the bible which go back to the patterns of human nature, which go back to understanding what happened in the church of Corinth, which goes back to making you understand why, just like in any church, you have these same issues. Now, let me give you something. and If you, I don't want you to, but if you would leave after I make this next statement, it would be worth you coming here today. I don't want you to leave. But I'm telling you, that's how important this is. I told you two kinds of deception. First, let uh, be be uh, be not uh, uh, um, take heed that no man uh, deceive you. The second one is let no man deceive himself. Now let me say something to you. Now listen to this. This is worth a lot of money. No man on planet Earth. Nobody on planet Earth can deceive you, or me. Till we first deceive ourselves. Say it again. No man on planet Earth, no person, no circumstances, no nothing can ever deceive you or me until we first deceive ourselves. Over the years, I've heard gal say, well, I married this guy and he, he was all a deception. You know, he, he, he was one thing here and now he's something else and it was a deception, you know, and he deceived me. No, 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 no. You deceived yourself by stepping out of the biblical principles of not following Genesis chapter 24. The only reason that bozo deceived you is because you first deceived yourself. Now, you get that principle down, folks, and you're going to have something to hang on to, but you won't. You won't Some of you are already mad about it. <laughs> you know, you ever wonder why how a TV evangelist who is an absolute idiot, in every sense of the word, can rake in millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars from people? And get them to do all kinds of things. And then, when he gets busted in and his ministry falls apart and he loses everything that he has, people go around saying, Well, he was a crook. He deceived me. No, 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 no. He didn't deceive you till you first deceived yourself that what he was telling you was the truth when you had a Bible right in your hand that told you that he was lying to you. Now, get this down, folks. You cannot be deceived by anybody, anything on planet Earth, listen to me, till you first deceive yourself. Girl says, "Well, I'll go ahead and take a shot of this guy. He doesn't come to church, and he doesn't. He doesn't really like God, or he, he he says he's saved, but he doesn't go to church anywhere. You know what? I'll just go ahead and hang out with him, and and then and then you go ahead and get married because you think in your mind you're going to fix him, you're going to make it okay. that he's going to love your God, he's going to love your church, he's going to love me, he's going to love everything. And then afterwards, you feel like you were let down. He lied to me. He deceived me. No, you deceived yourself by getting yourself into that situation. Was a clear." violation of biblical principles oh no you get it down you get it down that's why i'm telling you folks when you understand the patterns you can't fake real biblical christianity you just can't bible says if any man loved god the same is known of him and there's some patterns that go along with loving God. And if you don't have those patterns in your life, you're kidding yourself. And when somebody thinks you do love God, when they see the patterns in your life that say you don't love God and they will get in, believe you, they've already deceived themselves. You cannot fake true spirituality. Coming to church here doesn't make you spiritual. Carrying you a 25 pound wide margin King's James Bible don't make you spiritual. What makes you spiritual is the pattern that you fall into or don't fall into. That's where it goes. Now, when you learn the patterns of human nature, when you learn the patterns of why people do what they do, it's as, it's as sure as the sun coming up in the morning. I had an F uh, treasury guy tell me one time years ago, We were talking about he was in charge of counterfeit and uh, uh, catching counterfeiters. And I asked him, I said, I said, man, I said, how do you guys keep up with all the, I mean, some of these guys really do a good job of these things. I mean, how do you guys constantly stay up on top of all the new ways that they're counterfeiting money? He said, well, we don't care all the new ways they counterfeit it. That's not how they teach us. I said, well, how do they teach you? He said, they teach us to study a real $100 bill. And when you study a real $100 bill and you study it and study it and study it and look at it and get it down, when you see a phony next to the real thing, it just glares out. I'm phony. Put most of God's people upside a real pattern for a soul winning, love God, do something that God wants you to do. You know what it cries out. You know what you cry out. You don't even open your mouth to say a word, but you know what you cry out. I'm phony. Wrong pattern. Wrong pattern. Now you got three by five cards, y'all. Yeah. let me give you a verse for your three by five card. This is a good one. Did you ever notice how God through the Bible always does things in patterns? It's all through the Bible. In Exodus, there was a pattern of the tabernacle, a pattern of the, to the instruments, a pattern of Moses given to the mount. There was a pattern of the altar. In First Chronicles, there's a pattern of the porches and the houses. There's a pattern of what uh, who had God's spirit. There's a pattern to the chariots. In Titus, there's a pattern of of godly works. I mean, uh, it just keeps going. In Hebrews chapter 9, he says the pattern of the heavens. God does everything in patterns, and when he made you and me, he made us by a pattern, and we live our lives by a pattern. You want to figure out what human nature is? Watch the patterns. And you can't hide that. You see, you can be dirty on the outside, not shower for a month, put on new clothes, heavy on the cologne or perfume, and you can get away with that, and people say, boy, she smells good. But you can't do that when you're dirty on the inside. They call it the patterns. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. Here's your verse. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now, that verse is not talking about somebody you know. That verse is not even talking about the person sitting next to you. That verse is talking about you and me. That's our old nature. And that's our affinity for that pattern of old nature. That's the biggest problem we got in life, I guarantee you. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Verse 10 says who can know it. God, I the Lord, search the heart. You see what God does? God, God observes the pattern. Notice I used the word observe. God observed the pattern in our lives, and he sees if it lines up to the biblical pattern. That's all. That's all. In counseling, when you get to that point in your life, and we talk about it, and I show you, you know, you you ever get to that point. Rule number one in biblical counseling, hands down. There's about 19 or 20 rules you got to follow to really be effective at it. But this is one, rule number one, and this defeats more people than it ever helps. And rule number one in helping people in biblical counseling or dealing with people with their problems is simply this. Never want people to do right more than they do. Never want people to do right more than they do because the moment you do, you're going to get deceived. You're going to get deceived. I mean, that's just the way it works. Don't get caught up with the person and what they say. You'll be deceived 100% of the time. You observe the pattern of their life. Don't listen to what they tell you. See if what they do with other people, how they treat other people. See if what they do with what the Bible says. See if that pattern is the same. The pattern of human nature is the old nature. It's one of deception. People will lie to you. The great advantage I have over most of people when they lie to me is the simple fact that I'm already smarter than you. And I know you're lying to me, I just don't show it. I will ask some people some things face up, knowing they're good, knowing what they did or what they're involved in, and just act as dumb as a stump, and then let you lie to me. And when I walk away, you know what I think? I don't think you're a bad person. I don't think you're a terrible person. I just say, that's the pattern. That's the pattern. That's the pattern. That's the pattern. I mean, that's just the way it works, folks. It's not hard. It's just being smarter than the problem. There's a pattern of human nature. That will always be deception. Lie to cover yourself. Do this. Do that. That's always the pattern of human nature, the pattern of, of of the old nature. The pattern of the new nature is open and honesty, transparency. What you see is what you get. See, that's the key. And that's why you don't, ever, you don't ever want people to do right more than they do. Because at the end of the day, you fall into that trap, you'll get deceived. And the reason why you'll get deceived by somebody is because you deceived yourself. You did not, you saw what you were seeing, but you did not observe. I'm telling you. 99% of keeping close to God is just simply being smarter than the problem and learning to observe what goes on around you. Now with that, I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and I want to pick it up in verse 33. Introduction concluded. <laughs> verse 33 says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. But some men will say, How are the dead raised up? And in what body do they come, thou fool? That which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body, that shall be but bare grain, it may chance of wheat or some other grain. But God giveth it a body as it has pleased him and to every seed his own body. Now, Father, we thank you and praise you for the Lord Jesus. And with the introduction we've got today, help us to take this and, and to look at what happened to the church at Corinth. Lord, the people here, just like people back there, our people today have the same old nature, patterns of nature that they had back there. Nothing has changed. And Lord, I ask you today to help us to learn from this, to glean from this, and, uh, and how we can put it all together. I will thank you and praise you. in Jesus' name. For the sake I ask it, amen. Now, I want to show you, if you're here today and you just got saved... And you've been saved, say, six months or so. Maybe a year. If you're here this morning and you're saved and you're kind of moving up in the ranks and learning the ropes and getting a hold of things, or maybe you're saved for a long time and you you have it all together, I want to show you what will destroy you and your relationship with God and will destroy any church like it did in the church of Corinth from getting what God has for you. The pattern of human nature to go against God and all the things that he's got for you. Now, this is what Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 means when it talks about you and I working out our own salvation. That doesn't mean you're working out how to get saved. It means after you get saved, these are the things you've got to work out. A lot of people have a tough time with that verse. Now, my verse says in verse 1, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Now, in the context of our passage here, he's talking about people in this church, the church at Corinth, uh, who have been telling people that there's no resurrection and then telling people that the dead don't rise, and that's what he's talking about here. But, oh, there's a lot more there for you and for me because in a general sense, this principle applies all the way to us. You know, if you've been around any church or churches for any length of time, I'm sure you've all seen this phenomena. I mean, uh, you you go to church any time at all, you see people, uh, I mean, I've seen these patterns in people for over 40 years. You see people get saved, uh, you know, and uh, they get, start to get discipled. They start to get happy. They leave the world. Some of them have a very tough background, you know, drugs, alcohol, and all those things. And they start to, start to leave the world, you know, and they start coming to church. And, and somebody starts discipling them, and they start to get happy about it. And then, bang, six months later, maybe it doesn't even take that long but during a period of time later, you know what to they do? They're gone. They're no longer in church and they're back to the world. Then you have people that have been in church for years. Seen this all my life. And you know, they, 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 for years, and suddenly they stop growing, stop ministering, quit coming to Bible study, stop being involved. They get an attitude and they're gone. Ever wonder why that happens? I mean, you ever wonder why that happened? I mean, I know you can all think back in your mind and think of people in your life. I can think back almost 35 years and think of people. I think of people all the time just come out of the woodwork in my mind and I'm saying, and you look and think of that and we we all can say, well, uh, I know they left and I watched them leave. I saw them actually leave. Ah. But did you observe Why they left? See, that's the key. Don't get caught up in seeing that they left; that you fail to observe why they left. Remember what Sherlock Holmes said to Doctor Watson: "The two are not the same. Cause and effect. Cause and effect. Remember, you don't just see; you learn to observe." And you learn the pattern. Now, the easy explanation why people leave churches is, 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 is the one you hear the most time. They get mad at the pastor. Now, I got to say, there's some pastors that are idiots. And I have my time that I'm sure I can be an idiot too. But there's some truly bad pastors out there. Take it from me, being in this business, I see some guys that are some really bad pastors out there. And there's really some bad churches out there. There's churches that will take everything you got and want more than you can give, and then when you need something, they'll subcontract you out to somebody else, won't even take the time You couldn't get an appointment with a pastor if your life depended on it. You're not important enough. Now, you win a lottery, and you'll be surprised how your importance just goes up overnight. See? So I'm not saying there aren't places like that. Yet it always, in my observation, and I've seen this all my life, in my observation. When people get mad, leave a church, bad mouth the church, bad mouth the people in the church, bad mouth the whoever, and yet that church still got the hand of God on it. People are getting saved left and right. It's growing. Spirit of God is everywhere. God giving them new ministries. In my observation, I've always asked myself, okay, here's one or two people over here that got an attitude and they're leaving a church and they're saying the church is bad, but God does not agree with them. You would think if God agreed with them that he'd take his blessings off that church. You'd think that nobody else would get saved, wouldn't you? I mean, when you get out of fellowship, do you think you still win people to Christ? I'm asking a question now. Do you think when you get out of fellowship, the Spirit of God still leads and guides you into all truth? That's a question, also. No. Then, when you observe things, why would you think that two people over here, or five people, four people, or one person doesn't make any difference? Why would you? Why would you? If you if you observe and don't just see, if you see the person leave, when you observe why they left, here's somebody that's got a problem with the church or whatever. And that church are still going, still blowing, still growing, and God is using it, and God ain't doing nothing with them, but they want you or the world or anybody else to believe that you, the church is all wrong, but they're right. You see, that's the difference between seeing somebody leave and observing somebody leave. That's patterns of human nature. That's just the way it goes. I mean, it, it's so easy once you just see it. Now, going back to the book of 1 Corinthians and all their issues, when you begin to observe, and that's the word today, when you begin to observe what's happening there, here's what you see. Remember now, Dr. Watson, you see, but you must learn to observe because the two are not the same. All through this book, if you've been observing, we have seen people in this church that don't like Paul and they don't like what he's trying to do with his church. In verse 35, it simply said, some man says, there's some man in the church at Corinth that's going against what Paul's been teaching them, and he's taking opposition with Paul, teaching them false doctrine. In other words, be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. This is what's happening. All through the book, there's an underground movement of murmurers. In Second Corinthians chapter 3, this group actually asking Paul if he can prove that he is who he says he is, a qualified apostle. And they're the ones that have kept this church from growing. Now, I want to say one statement, and this is worth a lot of money too. And if you want to leave after this one, you're still coming out ahead. But if any of you guys ever pastor someplace, and any of you guys ever get into the ministry where you're over a church... Some of you probably will someday. Let me tell you something. You better take this one to the bank. My friend, one individual or one family can keep a whole church from growing but a bad spirit that they bring into it every time they show up. You're told in Job chapter 26, verse 4, the six questions that are after the judgment seat of Christ. we looked at them before. The last question was, and whose spirit came from thee? I've seen it all my life. I've seen it all my life in churches when you look at the patterns and you learn to observe. Yet on a grander scale, we see that pattern of human nature, not just in the church at Corinth, not just in your life as you look around in your history of your life, but you see it all through the Bible. Now Thursday night, we got into Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 with the six things that God hates. We didn't go there, but I told you about that, and I told you those are seven false spirits of the devil, just like there's seven spirits of God listed over there in Isaiah 11. But did you ever stop and observe this? You see, everybody sees it, but did you observe it? When you come down through there, there there's six things listed that the Bible says God hates. But the seventh one The Bible says is like the capstone, and it's called the abomination. Somebody raise your hand and tell me what the seventh one is. What is it? Sowing discord discord among the brethren. Now that not only is the favorite pastime of most 21st and 20th century churches today and people, but why did he make that one? Did you ever stop and observe that? Now remember, I'm sure you've seen this many times in the Bible. But you must learn to observe, because the two are not the same. He says, out of those six things, the seventh is an abomination unto the Lord. And yet, when you look at that, why was that one the worst one? Because the first pattern you find is in Genesis chapter 3. And this is where the devil himself begins to play the devil's advocate with Adam and Eve. And if you notice that passage, he says, Yea, hath God said with a question mark at the end of it, not a period or an explanation point. He's basically saying to them, Does God really know what he's talking about? And then, of course, he proceeded to change everything that God had told them. Now, do you know what the devil did with Adam and Eve against God? Have anybody observed it yet enough to put it two and two together? What what did he do? Between God and Adam and Eve in chapter 1, they would make the seventh thing, the abomination. What did he do? Anybody observe it yet? He sowed discord between Adam and Eve and God. That's exactly what he did. So the reason why that caps the list back there and makes the whole thing abomination, because that's the first thing the devil did was sow discord between God's people and God. And in that particular case, it threw the human race into sin, didn't it? That's the pattern. Then Eve goes down, she sins, and then she takes Adam with her. You say, oh, yo, no, no, the Bible says that Adam sinned willfully. Oh, you're absolutely right. Good job. You know what he did? He looked at the pattern Eve was now in, looked at the pattern that God was, and he willfully chose Eve's pattern over God's pattern. See what I'm talking about? You need to learn to observe, not just see. You find it all through the Bible. When Abraham was called out in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, you know what God told him? God told him that he is to go out and separate himself from everybody in his family because God is going to take him and going to take him to a place where God is going to start a whole new ball game with him, and he's to leave everybody behind. But the Bible says when you observe it that he didn't do that. He took lot with him. Now, Abraham is a picture of you and me. He's a picture of child of God who got the plan of God, who got the word from God, and God got something he wants them to do. Lot is a picture of a child of God who didn't get anything from God, doesn't want anything from God, wants everything he can get, and is going to foul up and mess up everything that Abraham does. And that's exactly what he does. You know why? Because Abraham did not separate himself from the person that was going to corrupt him by the evil communication. If you took Lot out of Abraham's life, Abraham would have had a smooth sailing life. You go through that study and observe it, you're going to find that Lot is the thorn in his side in everything that happens. When you forsake God's pattern for the world's pattern, that's where you're going, guys. It's not that hard. I think of Moses and the nation of Israel back in Numbers chapter 11. Moses brings the children of Israel out of Egypt, the type of the world. There again, it's a picture today. you and I got saved and we came out of the world. But you see the mistake that they made, they brought the mixed multitude with them. Now, who's the mixed multitude? Oh, they're God's people that got one foot in the world and one foot in, 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 in church. They're God's people that have no, uh, no feet in the church. They're God's people that care nothing about the things of God, do nothing with the things of God. That's who they are. And they were the source of Israel's problem in everything that they do. And as far away as they could get from what God wanted them to do, but yet they're hanging out with a mixed multitude and every time Israel gets into a problem like Numbers chapter 11 verse 4, it's going back to that mixed multitude. Why? Because evil communication corrupts good manners. That's why. See in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah. We know that in Ezra and Nehemiah after the 70 years captivity, they go back. And when they go back, they begin to rebuild Jerusalem. It's a, you know what it's a picture of? It's a picture of a person who's been, where Exodus and coming out of Egypt was a picture of a person who got saved coming out of Egypt, type of the world. This is the picture of somebody that was a Christian that got backslidden and now gets right with God and starts to get their life cleaned up again. And what happens? Bible says the adversaries show up. You bet they do. And in chapter 4 of the book of Ezra, the adversaries show up and they come to the nation of Israel, Zerubbabel, and they say, oh, we're glad you're back. We're glad you're here. Hey, let us build with you. Let us help you build. We seek your God just like you do. But the pattern didn't match up. They didn't seek God at all. They wanted to destroy the work. They wanted to keep Jerusalem from being rebuilt. What they said didn't match the pattern of their action. And the end result was, the Bible says, they troubled them in building, they weakened their hands, and they frustrated their purpose. You want a great observation of those people that wanted to help them? They never built anything in their life. And they wind up making accusations against them, against a king that was not true, all for the purpose of stopping what God was doing, all through the Bible, all through history. That concept of the pattern of human nature and the pattern of backslidden Christians to destroy other Christians. you got to observe. Now, I'm going to give you the third thing. If you want to leave after this, you're really going to be ahead. You want some good advice? You won't take it. You won't take it. You won't take it because deep down inside, you're on the middle of fence too. You won't take it, but you ought to take it. I'll give you some of the best advice you'll ever hear in your life. As a child of God, as a Christian, don't get hooked up with anybody, anybody who says they're a Christian who never builds anything. If you hang out with God's people who don't build anything, never have built anything, and don't care about building anything, and only want to destroy what God is already building, you're in the wrong crowd. Don't ever get influenced by people who would never build anything. Learn to observe. People who do nothing for God, people who give nothing to God, uh, stay with people who do something for God. Every case in the Bible where somebody is trying to stop or hurt the work, it's a case where they've never done anything for God. Why would you be influenced? Are you so, are you so deceived in your own self? Can you not see that somebody that, that whoever they may be, whatever they may be, that wants to destroy what God is doing in any church anywhere, and they're all through Christianity today. And yet they're over here, and you see them. You know they're not doing nothing. You know they don't care. They don't give. They don't minister. They don't do anything. They're the minister of complaining. That's all they ever do. Do you re- what, what makes you deceive yourself that you think hanging out with them is going to benefit you? You see, you've already deceived yourself. You say, well, I like them. Uh Uh-huh. I'm not sure you do. Birds of a feather flock together. You know what my mama used to say? When she wouldn't let me hang out with certain people, you know what she'd say to me? She says, Bobby, I'll tell you why. Because you will become what the friends you hang out with are. My mama never been to Bible college a day in her life. Why would you be influenced something like that? Hey, three by five cards, here's another one. Proverbs 13, 20. Oh, I love this one. Now, this this makes it so simple, it's unbelievable. Of course, everything I've said is so simple. You don't like this message because it's complicated and you can't get it. No, no. That's not the reason why you don't like it. You like it because it's too simple and you are getting it. Say, how do you know that? Patterns. Bible says the eyes are the window of your soul. How many of you out there looking like a deer in headlights of a car late at night? Now here's a great verse, Proverbs thirteen twenty. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Now see how simple that is? How much simpler can it get? Bible says evil communications corrupt good manners. It doesn't mean that you eat dinner with a spoon instead of a fork. That's not the manners it's talking about. It's talking about the manner of man you are. God wants you to be a certain kind of person. He wants you to have be a mannered person. A manner is a way of life. Evil communication corrupts good manners. It corrupts who you are for God and makes you like them. During World War II, Nazi Germany had a propaganda minister by the name of Joseph Goebbels. (laughs) And he got a whole nation to believe in the lie of Adolf Hitler. You know how he did it? You know how he deceived them? Well, first of all, the people deceived themselves. They should have saw clearly what was going on. But they didn't. We don't have time to get into historical relevance of all that, but, but they didn't see it. They weren't observing. He said, if you tell a lie long enough, enough people, you tell it long enough and you tell it enough, people will believe it. And so the minister of propaganda, that's where our word comes from, that's exactly what he did. He fostered over the period of eight or nine years the myth, the lie, and people who were closed off from all other outside communication, that was you go to jail, if you listen to another radio program outside your own country that wasn't part of the propaganda, he actually cut off all things. And of course, that's a true statement. And I'll tell you something else, if you fall into the pattern of evil communication, you'll be part of it. Psalms chapter one is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. That's a great verse. But notice the progression. Observe the progression. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. See, the man's now not walking with God, he's walking with a counsel of the ungodly. And that word counsel there now he's listening to them and taking advice from them. He's walking with them instead of walking with God. That's your first mistake. You start walking with the old crowd. You start walking with people who don't like God, have an attitude about God or the Bible or church or whatever. The first thing you do is start walking with them and listening to them. Then the second part of that verse says, Standeth in the way of sinners. Now you've stopped walking, and now you're standing with them. Now you're really listening. You know what's kind of hard to listen when you're walking with somebody? Do you ever notice how that works? You're talking along with somebody, and you're talking back and forth, and then when you really want to make your point, what do you do? You stop. These people are now making their point. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth away of the sinners. Now the third one is, sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Not only are you sitting with them, you're being scornful about the things of God, the ministry of God, people of God, just like they are. You know why? Because evil communications corrupt good manners. You know why? You want to be with a wise, walk with a wise man. You want to be a fool and be destroyed, then go with the fools. You know what a fool is in the Bible, don't you? There's two kinds of fools. The first kind is an unsaved man. and An unsaved man is a fool because of the fact that he's unsaved. But uh, there's another kind of fool in the Bible, and that's a saved man. A saved man is a fool because he's got God, he's got the Bible, but he won't do what's right with it. Both of them are fools. They're just going to go to two different places. Hey, listen, let me tell you something. As a Christian, the number one thing without a doubt See it all through the Bible. You and I need to guard as who you associate with and how they influence you. Because, brother, that old pattern that you and I have is the thing we've always got to hang on to and get rid of. Keep the good pattern, throughout out the old one. And I'm telling you, and when you violate biblical principles and you deceive yourself, you're on the road of being deceived big time. And I'm telling you. You know, there's a great study in the Bible going back to these mixed multitude, You got to go back in the Bible in the Old Testament and you want to study how this thing is set up. There were three families that when they camped at night or however long they camped, the Ark of the Covenant was right in the middle. I'm going to draw a little circle here. And the Ark of the Covenant was right in the middle. All the other tribes camped out around here. This is called the uttermost. But inside that square where the tabernacle was and all the real business with God was going on, there were three families. They were the Kehoathites, they were the Gershomites, and they were the Miramunites. Those three families were tied into the central ministry of what God was doing with the nation of Israel the other tribes were all scattered out here in the outer parts of the camp. And you know who was in the outer part of the camp out there? That's where the mixed multitude was. In other words, those tribes got as far away from what God was really doing when they camped as they could. You'll never find in all of the problems that Israel had where those three families ever gave Moses, Israel, any problems whatsoever. You know why? Why? because those free families represent God's people that are tied into what the ministry really is and doing, and they never get out in the uttermost. You know what? Some of you got your tents pitched about as far as you can get from what's going on here, and you just make the pilgrimage here on Sunday. And then you wonder why you got attitude problem. You wonder why you don't have things in your life that are going for you the way it is. You know why? Because you're out there on the edge. You're out there on the edge where nothing ever happens. You're out there on the edge where the mixed multitude comes into your camp and out of your camp and talks to you about this and that. And every time Israel had a problem it was because they were too far out from what God was doing and the mixed multitude was out there with them and they kept dragging them down complaining about what the things weren't happening and weren't going on. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Boy, you better learn some lessons. Hayab says, Observe. a companion of fools will be destroyed and that's what he tells you you know I make it a habit in my life I've done this for many many years I make it a habit in my life not to hang around around negative people now I'm in the ministry and I know the ministry is people and I know that when you work with me on a level where you work with people that there's things that you're working with people that are negative about them and we got to work through them and talk through them and find the best way to deal with it I'm not really talking about that But I I know myself and my human nature. And don't ever doubt it, my friend. Learn the pattern of human nature. There are some people who are nice people. They are lovable people. They are sweet people. They are wonderful people. But a half an hour with them, and they will kill your zeal for the Lord. Now, I can't speak for you. I don't need that. I don't need that. I don't need that. My old nature doesn't need that any more than I need a Playboy or a penthouse magazine or a skull or a beer or a wine cooler in my life. I don't need them. Because that's exactly what they do. Every time you're around them, all you hear is negative. All you hear is what's wrong with things. All you hear, they never focus on what God's doing. You know why? Because God's not doing anything with them. And when you observe that, I can't speak for you. I don't want to be around that. I just just don't need that. You want some advice? Evil communications, corrupt good manners. Spend time with people who are doing something. Spend time with people who are building something. Spend time with people who are involved in ministry. Learn from them. He that walk with wise men shall be wise. Now, those people aren't perfect people, and that's what you always hear. Well, you know, nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. But they're doing something, and you're not. They're here, and you're not. They're involved with somebody as imperfect as they are. You're not. They're focusing on what's positive. You're focusing on what's negative. Don't just see the two. Observe the two. Not complicated. Not complicated at all. Michael and I, Michael, where are you at? Michael and I met this week, and we had a great time in the Bible. Michael said something to me that, that um, we were talking back and forth, and Michael says, how do I get involved? I really want to get involved with the book and get going. And, and I told him, I said, Michael, here's what you do. Here's what you do. Keep coming to church. I'll keep working with you. I'll keep giving you things to do. Keep learning. But what did I tell you? I said, you get with the guys that are doing it. You get with the guys that are, that are where the action is. You get with the people who, 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 who love this church, who love the ministry, love the Word of God. <coughs> you get everybody else out of your life that doesn't, and you focus on that crowd, and you get with them, and you learn everything you can from them. You watch what they do. You watch the patterns they do. When you don't know how to do something, watch how they do it. And in time, you know what? The pattern you follow, the Bible says, if you want to be wise, hang out with wise men. What's so hard about that? I mean, what's so hard about that? You want to know how somebody says, how do I win souls? How do I learn to win souls? Hang out with people that win people to Christ. That's how you do it. That's exactly how you do it. Well, I don't want to. Then you're never going to. The way to learn the Bible is hang out with people who know and love the Bible and talk about it all the time. The way to learn to pray. How do I learn to pray? Get in a prayer group. Get with people who know how to do it. I know when I started the prayer groups, oh, boy, you know, I had some people that just thought that was the most terrible thing in the world. Well, I just think it's going to take up more time of our life. No, it won't because you won't do it. So don't worry about it. And don't worry about somebody else's time. Maybe they count their time a little different than you do. I remember when we come up through the athletic ministry, you know, and, and we got to the point where, who got hurt? You got hit with an ear, didn't you? In your ear, really bad. And, uh, and Danny decided, he said, well, we can't do this. The guys are getting too good and too aggressive, which is nothing wrong with it. And we were playing co-ed. And, you know, we got to change it because too many girls are getting hurt. Now, personally, I don't have a problem with girls getting hurt. I think you'd want to get into the guys. You know, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so the next time we decided, next week we were going to decide, we sat down and talked about it. And we said, you know what? Wow, it'll just double our chances of ministry. You ought to hear the whining, complaining I heard of people. Oh, I don't want to play if we're not playing co-ed. Then don't play. But it's what I want to do. It's not about we're going to have another develop the ministry and we're going to have more outreach. It's about I want to, and I don't want to do that. Hit the road. Oh, I'm sorry, you did. (laughs) You want to be a soul winner? Hang out with soul winners. You want to learn the Bible? Hang out with people who know and love the Bible. You want to learn to pray? Get in a prayer group. You want to become a gossip? Hang out with people that gossip. Get your little group together. Every church has got them. Get your little group together of you little people that just all you're going to do is get together and talk about all the negative things. You want to learn to be a gossip? Hey, there you go. You want to learn to be an idiot? Hang out with idiots. The way to become negative and criticize the church, the pastor and other people and all you do, hang out with that kind of people. Because the Bible says if you're going to be wise, you hang out with wise people. And if you want to be a fool, you hang out with fools and wind up being destroyed. Why? Because corrupt uh, evil communications, corrupt corrupt good good, good, uh, manners. You want to ensure you make another disaster in your life with another bad marriage. You want to be sure you go back to your drinking or your drugs or that lifestyle? Or just come to church on a Sunday morning and hang out with the wrong crowd on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. You'll get there. You'll get there. You got to make the break. You got to get rid of the pattern. You got to realize that that pattern will always lead to disaster. And when you hang out with the unsaved crowd or the ungodly godly crowd, you're going to wind up in the ash heap. It's just that simple. The way to build nothing in your life, the way to get to the judgment seat of Christ and be absolutely naked, the way to be absolutely uh, build absolutely nothing and be miserable is just hang out with miserable people who do nothing, give nothing, bring nothing, or do nothing to God's work. The pattern of human nature will take care of itself. That's the church of Corinth's problem. Now that's the underlying fundamental issue here at the church of Corinth. People listening to people who don't like Paul People listening don't like the way Paul's doing things. They don't like the Lord's work. They don't like Paul. They're backslidden. Look at verse 34. Awake to righteousness and sin not. He's basically saying, wake up. Start to observe. Don't see why people do and say what they say. Observe why they do and see what they say. See what they're building in their life first. See what they're doing personally for the furtherance of the kingdom of God, and then, then make your choice. Verse twenty-four says, "Some have not the knowledge of God." I speak this to your shame. Let me just clarify that for you. You gotta be ashamed of yourself. You gotta be ashamed of yourself. God's people ought to be ashamed of themselves today that they've got the truth, they've got the word of God, and they get influenced by somebody who builds nothing and does nothing, who's going to wind up at the judgment seat of Christ as naked as can be and going to drag you there with them because you deceived yourself first because our worst enemy is our old sin nature. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. And that's another message in itself. There's no shame among God's people today. God's people aren't ashamed of anything. Now that's not saying you won't be. Because the Bible coming in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where it says the shame of your nakedness doth not appear. So you're going to feel shame. It's just God's people don't feel it today. God's people do whatever they want to do. I mean, they can get pregnant at and wedlock. They can do whatever they want to do. They can live their lives however they want. They can go out and do this, commit this, go do that, go do this, and there's no shame about it. It's just like, well, that's what Christians do today. You know, we're no different than the world. No, we are different from the world. There ought to be a difference. There ought to be a difference in everything about you if you're saved today. And I'm telling you right now, you get into that mindset and you get in that world and keep yourself from being deceived from people. He says, some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Letting some God-forsaken Christian who never wins anybody to Christ, (coughs) who hasn't ministered to anybody, who hasn't built anything, has nothing going for them, there's nothing positive about them, who like to live in the world, who like to drink, who like to smoke, who like to chew, and, and they're smarter than you are because you fall into that pattern. You deceive yourself, and in time, it'll get you. If it won't do anything else, it'll ensure that you never grow past the point that you're in. You will wonder the rest of your life. Why we can't get any farther. Why can't we? I want to do this. I want to do that. Let me tell you something. There'll be an anchor around your ankles the rest of your life. Why is that, Bob? Why? Because evil communication corrupts good manners. That's why. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. As I said earlier, this message should be called, if it had a title, The Greatest Lesson God's People Will Never learn. The pattern of old nature versus the pattern of the new nature. Keeping yourself from being deceived by people. How do you do that, Bob? How do you do that? You start by not deceiving yourself. You get your own pattern straightened out by living the principles of the Word of God, even when it goes against your human old sin nature by holding yourself accountable, by realizing I don't care how good a friend they are. I don't care what it is. I don't care what it's like. Bottom line is simply this. I'm not going to associate with that simply because I'm not going to violate myself because corrupt evil communication, corrupt good manner. See, that's a problem we all have. We all think it applies to everybody else, not to us. We all think we're the exception to the rule. We all think that we can beat the system. We do. That's why guys get killed at railroad crossings. Everybody else stops. He thinks he can make it. That's why people overdose on drugs. Overdose on drugs. They think that the fact that they can, they can everybody else does, it won't happen to them. That's why people wind up dying of cirrhosis of the liver through <laughs> drinking or alcoholism. They think it's everybody else, but it won't happen to them, and they deceive themselves, and they get into that pattern, and that pattern destroys them. And some of God's people say, well, I can have friends with this person. I can be with that. It doesn't matter if they're negative. It doesn't matter if they don't like God or they don't like the Bible or they don't go to church anywhere and you've already deceived yourself based on what the Word of God says. Learn to observe, not just see. Learn to hear, not just listen. Learning the patterns that people fall into, being smarter than the people you hang out with. Remembering the great verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Be not deceived, evil communications, corrupt good manners. And add these verses to your three by five cards. Add that one. Add Proverbs 13, 20. Add Numbers chapter 11, verse 1. Add Ezra chapter 4. And add Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Those verses will mean something to you differently now because you had a great lesson on learning to Not just see, but learning to observe. Don't just see why people do what they do. Observe why they do what they do and bring it back to the pattern because human nature always follows the pattern. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this great study in the book of 1 Corinthians. We know, Lord, that many of the issues that they have, that throughout Christianity, we're plagued with the same things. Oh, Lord, we do ask you today in a very special way to take what we've talked about. We ask you to bless our hearts with it, to help us. Oh Lord, there's some here that will never get it. They're, they're already in the pattern. They're not going to change a thing. They could care less. It's all on the outside with them. They'll be out of here, Lord. I mean, uh, they're on church on Sunday morning. They're at the Royals game with a beer in their hand on, on Sunday night. It, they ain't ever going to change. And that's just the way it goes. But, Lord, for the ones that will change, for the ones that it means something to to do what you've done for us, to give back to you. I pray that this will be a great lesson in not just seeing, but observing, that we'll be smarter than the problem, that we'll see that evil communications do corrupt good manners. And Father, help us to want to be wise, to hang out with the wise, and the who that hangs with a fool will be destroyed. and Help us to learn these principles, but help us to observe these principles and all that we do. And we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. For a sake we ask it. Amen.